0: they said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many.
1: Who does Jesus think he is? Uh, He calls himself the Son of Man in the bookends around that scripture that we've just had read, Uh, verse verse 18 and verse 28, the Son of Man. And actually, all through the Gospels, that's his favourite way of referring to himself, the Son of Man. Uh, So I guess that's one answer to the question, who does Jesus think he is, Uh, albeit a little bit academic, I suppose, the Son of Man. Uh, As we lean in and try to think about that a bit today, we might first refresh on this uh, from last week where he also called himself that in chapter 19 and verse 28, uh, which is on the same page there if you're on these church Bibles. Chapter 19 and verse 28, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. When Jesus calls himself the Son of Man, he has a very glorious picture in mind of what that means. He will be the one seated on the throne of the new world, the kingdom of heaven, as we saw last week. He, this Son of Man, will be King of Heaven seated on his glorious throne, ruling over it all. And yet, look at what he now says about himself as the Son of Man. In chapter 20 and verse 18, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised on the third day. Uh, Not so much glory for this king of heaven now. Uh, Verse 28 at the end of our text, uh, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. uh, That's not what we would expect of any kind of king, uh, but uh, to serve and, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The glorious king of the new world would die in this world. Uh, Some kind of disconnect, isn't there, between uh, the the glory of this king and the inglorious treatment that he receives. Do you reckon this mother of Zebedee's sons, in verse 20, uh, has caught the second part of all that? Uh, the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him she asked him for something and he said to her what do you want she said to him say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom she seems to have the glory part uh, from chapter 19 locked in but I wonder if she has the inglorious part of what Jesus now says here in chapter 20 uh, which kind of goes back to that question that I started with uh, that this gospel is always asking not so much who Jesus thinks he is but who do we think he is who does this mother of the sons of Zebedee think that Jesus is And to be fair, the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, that is, by the way, uh, she probably wasn't with them when Jesus said those hard words about the Son of Man in verses 17 to 19 at the start of our text. Uh, He took the twelve aside to tell them that part, or by themselves, uh, we might say. So we might be gracious if if mum only knows uh, the chapter 19 part about the glory of the Son of Man uh, in the new world to come, when when he comes into his kingdom. The boys come with their mum to Jesus as one with this request, uh, verse 20 says, and indeed in Mark's gospel, uh, the request is also coming from them, from James and John. And so verse 22, Jesus puts his response to James and John. Uh, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. And by the cup that he has to drink, Jesus is again pointing to the fact that he must die. And so it's safe to say, I think, that as this conversation unfolds, uh, James and John's mum now has to start understanding the, the other side of this king. And actually, while our English Bibles uh, tend to add a nice little heading over verses 17 to 19 there, uh, something like as it is here, Jesus foretells his death a third time. Uh, In reality, Jesus has flagged this part of the Son of Man much more than that. Uh, But if you turn back to chapter 17, uh, back one page in these Bibles, to chapter 17 and, and verse 22 to 23, Uh, you'll see the so-called second time that Jesus foretold his death. In chapter 17, and verse 22, as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him and he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. Uh, And back one more page uh, in chapter 16 and verse 21 uh, was the first of these three occasions. Chapter 16 and verse 21. From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised so three times yes for sure three times for sure but he also has said things like this in chapter 9 and verse 15 he said that he the bridegroom would be taken away from his people Uh, in chapter 10 and verse 38 he said that his followers should take up their cross and follow him Uh, In chapter 12 and verse 40, he said that just as Jonah the prophet was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so too the Son of Man would be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth. Uh, Chapter 16 and verse 4, he repeated that line. He said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Uh, Chapter 16 again in verse 24 he he repeated the teaching that, that those who would come after him must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Uh, Chapter 17 and verse 9, as they're coming down from the mountain after his transfiguration, if you remember, we were there a little while ago. Jesus commanded James and John, the sons of Zebedee in our scripture here today, James and John and Peter, the three who were with him, after those three saw Jesus in that radiant, transfigured glory, he said to them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. After which, in verse 12 of that chapter 17, he said that just as John the Baptist had suffered and died at the hands of godless men, so too would the Son of Man suffer at their hands. And so, in a way, this is more like nine times now, to my mind, that Jesus has spoken of his inglorious suffering and death. Uh, The ninth time, that is, that, that Matthew has recorded this, of course, we might add. Um, But still we might be kind, I say, to the sons uh, 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 of Zebedee's uh, mum, to their mother at least, because she might not have been there at any of those times uh, to hear this hard truth about the Son of Man just yet, but she does know now, you would have to say, or at least must start to understand now as Jesus answers her request. Uh, The disciples, however, actually... Uh, They should be well in the know on this side of the Son of Man. More so, I suppose, should you and I. uh, Reading through this Gospel according to Matthew, the Son of Man came to drink this cup, as he puts it this time. Uh, Now making that 10 and then 11 times that he has spoken of this by chapter 20 here, verses 22 and 23, uh, he, he, he's here to drink this cup and, and 12 times of course by the end of our text today the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life and just as Jesus wanted to flip our thinking last week uh, in our scripture then about the kingdom of heaven so too he has been trying all along to flip our thinking about him the king of that kingdom of heaven, he, he is the glorious uh, uh, king of heaven, this son of man. Chapter 19 and verse 28. He is the very king on the throne reigning over the new world. And yet uh, all the way through this narrative he is trying to show us that he came here with purpose, a purpose of dishonor and disgrace unto him that he must suffer. and and die and of course to be raised again after that we should be careful to point out uh, verse 18 of our text uh, see we are going up to jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified and he will be raised again on the third day Uh, which part he also said as explicitly as that uh, in all three of those uh, classic passages foretelling his death uh, with the nice titles over them in our scripture and and in one of those other scriptures that I rattled off before as well. And he implied as much, of course, a couple of the other times as well, that he would be raised. It's a bold prediction that, uh, wouldn't you say, It's a bold prediction to say that you'll be raised from the dead after three days. It's going to get fact-checked real quick. Uh, But more that I'm interested in today is why, why go through that death in the first place? To reach that end, why go through that suffering and death? I mean, of all people in this narrative, he knows this inglorious part so, so well. Why does he keep pushing ahead into such an awful and horrible end? Mocking, flogging, crucifixion of all things. Surely no more painful, uh, surely no more shameful an end. This is the king of heaven that we're talking about here why is he so determined to go to such an awful end and yet he keeps marching ahead to jerusalem and indeed therefore why then even come to earth why take on flesh as he did if this is where it would head But that's exactly why he came, he says here in verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom. When Jesus speaks of uh, ransom here in verse 28, he's talking about paying the debt of our sin. Our sin is completely offensive to our God. It is a crime against the God who created us and gave us all things. And that offence, that crime, leaves us in a, a great and unpayable state of debt, the Bible explains, a great debt we stand in towards God and a great debt that we cannot in any way pay. Because the plain plumb truth is that we deserve God's judgment for our sin and so serious is our sin that its penalty should be death, eternal death. It is God who gives life but we have sinned against that God. And if our debt of sin against God should cost us our very soul, our very life, then, then what could we possibly offer in place of our life to somehow avert or escape or, or turn away that judgment we deserve? Jesus asked the same question. and put that thing to us, at least, in a rhetorical question back in chapter 16. He said, what shall a man give in return for his soul? Psalm 49 takes this and puts it right out of our hands. No one else can even help us if all of us here have the same debt. And we do. Psalm 49 verse 7, truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life, for the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. How then can our debt of sin be paid? How can our judgment be lifted? How can we be set free from this awful thing? Jesus tells us right here, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for our sin. We have nothing that we could even offer, brothers and sisters. But Jesus does. Jesus has everything to offer. His life is perfectly without sin. He is the very king of heaven after all, as he said, chapter 19 and verse 28. And so his life is worthy, yes indeed. His life is more than worthy to pay for our sin. And he came to do that chapter 20 and verse 28 he came to do that to give his life as the ransom for our sin this is the gospel of jesus right here you and i can do nothing to free ourselves from god's judgment because in and of ourselves we have nothing to offer we have been hopelessly crushed by our sin we, we are hopelessly lost sunk in this debt with nothing to offer we are but the sinners in this equation not the ones who can somehow pay for the debt we're in uh, we need God to pay for our debt and that's what he did in Jesus the king of heaven laid down his life for our sin, so that the judgment that we do deserve of death should fall instead on him. He has ransomed us, as he says here. He has paid out the debt that our sin has incurred against God. That's Jesus' gospel. And if we have eyes to see who Jesus is and, and ears to hear what Jesus has said on all this, then I think there's at least three great lessons in us uh, in this scripture for us to, to think about here and to focus on as we try to get our heads around how Jesus is trying to flip our thinking about him in this scripture. Three lessons would be enough for today, I think. One of those lessons might bring conviction our way. Uh, another might bring comfort our way. And the other might bring a challenge to us today. Uh, The conviction might come if we have not repented of our sin. Some people see Jesus as, I don't know, different as to what he himself says of himself in places like this right here. Uh, They think Jesus, well, Jesus is just, you know, way cool, is Jesus. Uh, Jesus simply loves everyone. That's what Jesus is about. Jesus loves everyone and he loves everyone just as they are. He's not all that concerned about their sin Uh, but Jesus in places like this here and all through this gospel Jesus has told us that he came to die and that that was because of our sin that so serious is our sin that we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven to be with him unless we repent of our sin turn from our sin that is and come to him and in coming to him receive of this great ransom that he gave to pay for our sin so that in Jesus we can be properly forgiven righteously forgiven of God of our sin and therefore set free Jesus gave his life so serious was our sin So if you have not come to repentance yet over your sin, then then hear what Jesus is saying in this gospel. And even right here in these verses we've read through today, he came to lay down his life to ransom you from the curse and the debt of your sin. Repent repent just as he has been saying since way back in chapter 4 as we've worked through this gospel repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand the comfort might come out of this scripture today if you have done that if you have repented and trusted in Jesus but somehow still feel as if you're just not sure. You're just not sure as to the heaven side of this promise that Jesus came to give. Whether that will really be yours in the final wash-up, in the final analysis of all these things, will the kingdom of heaven really be yours? Uh, Sometimes we feel like that as Christians. Fill up with doubt. Sometimes, as Christians, we feel like we're too low to to really, genuinely be of interest to in Jesus, or that our sin would bring too much disgrace upon Him, that we're just too unworthy of such a clean and beautiful, neat and orderly gospel as this is. That's pride. That's pride to think that we're somehow different on this sin thing than what God has said. On this. It's actually more sin to think of our own sinfulness in such a way. We are unworthy, brothers and sisters. We are unworthy, and every single one of us. That is the point in all this. If we were worthy, then why would Jesus come and die? We are unworthy, but our ransom from sin is to Jesus' glory our ransom is to jesus's glory and to help us see that and take hold of that i want to i want to take what jesus has just said here about himself matthew chapter 20 and lean into another scripture if i may Uh, and actually as a bit of a teaser i suppose for the next journey that we hope to take in church uh, if the lord is willing next term Uh, spoiler alert Uh, But let's turn to Revelation, if you have your Bible there. Uh, We're going to read from Revelation chapter 5, or you can just lock your eyes onto Matthew 20, 28, uh, and I'll read from Revelation, uh, and catch the connection about these things here, these ransom and glory ideas. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song to Jesus in heaven, this is, in the vision. Uh, The glorious heavenly beings are singing a new song to Jesus there, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for... Catch that connection there? Worthy are you for... You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He is worthy because he suffered such indignity for us, and yet, of course. He did that for us because he is such a worthy king. Uh, So coming back to Matthew chapter 20, uh, what we see as inglorious for Jesus here in Matthew 20, his, his mocking, his flogging and his death on a cross is actually a part of his glory. What he did for you and I to ransom us out of our debt of sin like that, to bring us before God, it it is something that will bring glory to Jesus forever. We ought to be comforted by that truth, don't you think? Realise how perfectly, perfectly we fall in to his whole design of ransom and how precious we therefore are to him had we not had the sin that we do have what need would we have had of a redeemer but Jesus came for this reason to redeem he came to ransom sinners like me and you and to his eternal glory we should be very quick to add I'm not saying here that we should be pleased about our sin or comfortable with it or continue to embrace it in any way, shape or form. No, of course not. We must feel that conviction that we just spoke of. The gospel of Jesus calls us to repent and to come to him. But having repented and come to Jesus, we should also then see how our ransom from sin is our most certain and a most glorious thing it pleased God to lift us out of our debt like so and bring us to him that is just why he came my friends he says so right here so we ought not feel I suppose you know sinful or shameful beyond what Jesus has done at the cross that that would diminish him No, we ought to feel chosen by this gospel, valued by this gospel, and loved, so so infinitely loved if we understand who Jesus is. So hear then his gospel again and be comforted by this truth. What does he say? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The challenge in all of this might come if we have factored all that stuff in and yet somehow then uh, drifted along and and, and forgotten the very basis of all this. Uh, Or if we're just kind of a bit hardened in some way, we feel so special, I suppose, by this gospel that we might get a bit puffed up uh, in our minds. Uh, Listen to Jesus in his teaching here in verse 25. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Sometimes as Christians we fall into thinking that we're somehow one up on those around us or at least one up on someone else in the church. But have we forgotten who we are and how we came into Jesus's kingdom? If Jesus, the king of the kingdom, had to come to, to save us like this, to lay down his life, to ransom us unto heaven. How do we slip into thinking we're somehow more important than, than, than anyone else Jesus has ransomed? But yes, of course... We must concede rivalry is a problem, an ugly problem in Jesus' church. Position and status and and jostling and self-seeking and promotion and all these kinds of things. Power and abuse finds its way into Christian households all the time. How can these things be? These are not the way of Jesus our King. These are not the way we were brought to him. And nor are they just, you know, I don't know, personality quirk kind of things that we can just kind of write off or or little kind of glitches in the way we go about our day. It is sin to lord it over Jesus' people in any kind of way. I mean, he's pretty clear about that here, isn't he? It shall not be so among you. His call upon us is that we would follow his way from now on taking up our cross and denying ourselves and with the very posture of of Jesus with one another, serving our sisters and brothers. Conviction or comfort or challenge? Which one of these lessons, I suppose, might Jesus put to you today? Are you blasé about your sin? Uh, Well, Jesus is so serious about it that that he died for your sin. Repent of your sin, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Uh, Are you penitent and broken by your sin before Jesus, but still somehow somewhere in your heart or mind feeling unsaved or, or unsure about all these things? Well, the point that Jesus came for this reason actually means that only broken sinners like you can be saved. If you have repented and trusted in Jesus, then now repent of those doubts too. Uh, rejoice in his good name, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand for you. Are you perhaps getting a bit stiff or a bit hardened or a bit self interested in your Christian walk? Are you thinking that you're somehow uh, above other sinners whom Jesus has saved? Uh, Let Jesus humble you with these words in his teaching here and sit you below your brothers and sisters to serve them just as Jesus surrendered for you. Uh, Repent and let him reshape you like him for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we have ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus, then all through Matthew's gospel, he, he's actually been flipping our thinking, just as he's doing it again right here. He's flipping our thinking about him, about us and about one another. Uh, he's flipping our thinking about the new world to come and, and how we must enter it. And he's flipping our thinking about the church and how we must live out our lives together now uh, while we wait. And how good is this gospel who's made all this so that we are loved like so by such a glorious king, that he is glorified all the more for having saved us like so. This is truly a life-changing thing. Praise God for this glorious gospel of Jesus, we should say. And we should pray. Heavenly Father, thank you as always for your word and the privilege of opening your word together today. Uh, Thank you for this word we've read and and come into this territory of of what is seemingly inglorious and yet in some mystery this is glorious for your son Jesus. That he came to us to set aside uh, his rightful status and and to lower himself and, and serve us and die for us to pay for our debt of sin this is far too big for us to comprehend at times father and yet here it is in your word we ask you therefore to help us as we try to process this beautiful and sweet gospel that your spirit might write these truths of Jesus into our hearts more and more each day and father we pray out of this that that you would bring us into a clear conviction of our sin And bring us to yourself, therefore, in a state of repentance and trust in Jesus. Bring us comfort, then, over the ransom that Jesus has paid. Uh, Forgive us according to your word. Forgive us in Jesus' name as we come to him and then grant us joy and peace and freedom and release over that. Uh, And challenge us always, of course, to walk humbly with you here on out and to walk humbly with one another in light of these glorious truths Our father we thank you for this series too where we've been able to work through uh, with a bit of interruption uh, about eight chapters or so of your gospel according to matthew uh, where jesus has been teaching us uh, what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and so too what he is like uh, and give us ears to, to hear what he says and, and eyes to see who he is, and, and to understand these truths in increasing measure all the days of our lives and forever, we pray. In Jesus' glorious name, Amen.